Welcome to House to Home Podcast. It's here that we'll learn how to cultivate an eternal haven in our temporary world. So grab a cup of coffee, do the dishes, or even take a drive in your car. Whatever it is you do while listening, I hope you feel right at home. Hi there, it's Bree. Hi, I'm Mason. And happy Valentine's Day. Today we are going to be talking about the first fruit of the Spirit listed in Galatians, love. How timely for Valentine's Day. So love is the fruit we are focusing on this month, and we will have a bonus episode for your kiddos actually out today where we talk about the history of St. Valentine, what Valentine's Day is all about, and we will also be discussing the fruit of the Spirit, love with them, so that your whole household can be talking about love this month. So be sure to check that out today. We have changed on our podcast on wherever you listen, iTunes, website, wherever. We've changed it to where it's a, it says kids and then has a colon. That way you know how to find the kids podcast because we release the adult podcast and the kid podcast all on the same thing there. Um, so it's easier for you to just kind of scroll through and find which ones are actually kid episodes and which ones are regular house-to-home episodes. That way, if you're looking for a certain episode to share with a friend or there's an episode that your kid really liked and they want to listen to, you can kind of scroll and find that easier. So we're just going to jump into it now. What is love? Such an easy question. I figured you would answer it first. What is love? I would like our listeners to just think about that question. It sounds funny if you literally ask someone what is love a christian's going to give an answer like well god is love um i feel like that is the answer though i mean it no it is the answer but remove god from your thinking and try to answer that question it's actually very very hard to answer the question of what is love you can start to look at like affections and emotions and feelings that you get but it's very very hard to pin down love love doesn't it's not like a it's not something you can touch. It's not something you can necessarily see, smell. It's like not sensory. And yeah. yet it is at the same time you can experience it. But what you really have to end up doing is either really really wrestling with whether or not love even exists or just jumping headlong in and admitting that love does exist and if God is love, then love is real. And right. It was a very good Me Without You lyric anyway. Um, <laughs> Go listen to Me Without You. Yeah. Um, so God is love and love is real. So just accepting that fact and then moving out from there. What does it look like to believe that love exists? What is love? How does that come into life? I think a literal question to you. Like, How would you say that? What is love? I think... You can say God. Right. But beyond that, I mean, that's a very simplistic answer. I think it's the right answer, but what does that mean that God is love? Well, First John 4.16 says, God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. So it's kind of neat, like love is in you. God abides in you because you abide in him. It's like this back and forth. Like he dwells in you, you dwell in him. Love is in you because he loved you. (laughs) 
Right. It's confusing. And we love it's... him because he first loved us. Right. But... but it's not a feeling, like you said, but it can produce feelings. Right. And it's, I think it's neat too that it's the first fruit mentioned because um, from it, all the other fruits flow. Right. Like love is patient, love is kind. Right. And it's interesting too that it is a fruit and yet it's also love is, or God is love. It's, you don't want to get those mixed around. Love is not God. But God is love. But God is love. There's a difference between those two things. And especially the way we perceive that our culture can look at the statement that the scriptures make that God is love, flop it around and say, well, God is this. And they've already defined what love is. And then they will say, well, that is God. And that's where you can really mess up is because you've already defined love in your own mind and what you're really doing is then you're starting to create a false god because you're defining god according to what your conception of love is when Mm -hmm. it has to come from the other way around god defines what love is and it is very complex that's why when we start to describe and define what is love it's almost impossible because you're trying to define what god is when you're doing that And I think that's why even biblically you don't find, like you hear the scripture, God is love. Love is this. Love is not this. Um, But it's not just one definition. You know what I mean? And I think like piggybacking off of what you said, it's important to um, realize that God is love. He is not just loving Mm -hmm. because so many people think, well, God is a, a loving God. And you know, when I say that, God is a loving God, but no, he is love. Like he defines what that is. You don't see something happen on the street and think, oh, that's lovely or that's loving. Um, that must be how God is. No, like God is love. He isn't just what you think love is. <laughs> Does that yeah. make sense? <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. It's It's a beautiful way to sum up God too, because simplicity doesn't imply it doesn't imply like a lesser than quality simplicity is actually a good thing yeah that you can boil god down to one word and that is love and that's a Mm -hmm. really beautiful thing because you can think about the implications of what is love it's almost in scripture spoken of that love is like that that force that moves all things which Mm -hmm. is kind of the spirit that's that's god working in all things it's like that life principle almost and everything kind of withers away and crumbles and erodes if you don't have love all else fades all else passes away all else kind of goes but if you have god that's the abiding principle that keeps everything holding together god is really that force that makes the world go round right and so you don't know love unless you know God. Yes. Yeah. So I think that's the main point of when we ask the question, what is love? You have to m- start with God and move out from there, not go the other way around. Yeah. I think First Corinthians 13, 4, everyone probably in the world is familiar with this scripture. It's said many a times, but it is true. And it, I think it's a good thing to ask yourself um, as you read it, so love is patient and kind. Like a lot of times people say, am I patient? Am I kind? Um, in regards to a relationship or just the essence of who you are. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. 
love never ends. And then it goes on to say, you know, as for prophecies, tongues, knowledge, that all passes away. Um, but love doesn't, love remains, which is basically what you were saying there. But um, the thing is, is we're not always patient. We're not always kind. We're not always, <laughs> we are rude sometimes. We are arrogant. Um, but God is all of these things. Right. And when we abide it, in him, we are those things as well. Right. Because I think it goes back to the fact that God is pure essence, pure substance, and because he is that, it can't erode. The, if mm-hmm. you if you have love, you have God, and if you have those things, then it can't collapse. If that makes sense, I, I'm I know I'm jumping over into a different subject of philosophy right now. But pure being remains being, and if it starts to bleed into becoming, it's changed. And that implies that it's not pure being. But anyway, that's that's going on. I'm, I'm taking a philosophy class right now um, in seminary. So all of my thinking kind of starts going back into these uh, platonic terms of being and not rabbit being. Trails. And rabbit, rabbit trails. Rabbit trails. So why do we love in the home then? We've talked about what love is as much as you can in a short podcast. But let's apply this to the home. Why do we love in the home? Something that I was talking to Anora about this week uh, is because he first loved us, then we love others. Um, Because he first loved us, we love him. So why do we do it? Well, it's kind of because we're captivated. (laughs) We're captivated by him. Because we have to do it. Yeah, it's almost, it's like a need. You know what I mean? It's something that as Christians, you know, we, we've talked about if the spirit lives in you, then we're no longer um, ruled by the flesh, but we're, we are ruled by the spirit. I like the scripture. Oh, the love of Christ controls us. Second Corinthians five fourteen. it says, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So we died to our flesh and we live in Christ. And if the spirit is in us, then love is in us. I think it goes back to understanding love as being that force that moves things as well. So God is that. And if you ask, why is love in the home so important? Why, why do we need that? It's because if you don't have that element of love, that principle of love, then your house is essentially dead. I mean, your, your house can't be productive. It won't bear fruit. I mean, because that is a fruit. Um, it's not going to continue to sustain uh, a good, healthy culture in the house. It's not going to be able to basically just move forward. Going back to the the First Corinthians thirteen idea, all the other things pass away, fade, cease, and so on. But if you have love in the home, then your home continues on. You're able to build a legacy, to build memories in your children and your children's children, and to all the the future generations. Those kind of stories, those kind of values, and things like that, those are the things that live on in a home. It's really not the house at all. Um, The house, a lot of times, when it comes down to history and like things that actually continue on in the story of things, it has very little to do with the stuff. It has to do with the the virtues, 
the, the love that is flowing, that force that moves that family to do this or to do that, that compels them, as that scripture says, that, that compels or controls them in doing this or that. And it all comes down to Christ being that one, that force that loves them, that kind of grace that pulls them, that, that um, irresistible pull to do that virtuous, good thing. Yeah, I agree. I was thinking too, um, not to be like completely off topic, somehow we can probably tie this back in, but you were thinking about, you know, the things that last isn't the home, it's not the stuff itself. And you came to me, I think it was yesterday with that quote, um, something in regards to you can't take your stuff to heaven, but you can take your children. Mm. Um, And just thinking, I mean, that definitely relates to us here, you know, an eternal haven in a temporary world. The reason why we say that is because the Lord is coming. He is making a new heavens and a new earth. And what we, what is around us right now, a lot of this is temporary, but a lot of it is eternal. The kids in our lives, our husband, our wife, our, our children, our friends, our family, they are eternal. They are what we are pouring into. You know, it's not Again, it's not about the things in our home. That's not what makes a home a home. It's the eternal souls, the beings that are in our home. Right. Um, those they, are what we love. We don't love the material things. We don't love the home just because it's home. <laughs> right, and they continue on because they are um, indwelt by the Spirit, too. The, right. The Spirit has <laughs> made them alive and a living being, and that's what's moving them forward mm-hmm. and keeping their soul alive. Uh, that quote, I believe, it said something to the effect of, you can't take your treasures to heaven, um, but you can take your children, which are your greatest treasures yeah. most of the time, to heaven. And then I was thinking, too, in regards to that as well, you know, why do we love in the home? Well, because we want to we want to send off <coughs> these children. You know, the Bible talks about our children being like arrows um, in the hand of a warrior, and blessed is he who has a quiver that's full of them. And we don't just let the arrows sit in the quiver. We send them off. And uh, when we send these kids off, are we sending off loved humans or are we sending off unloved humans? Because loved people love people and hurt people hurt people. And uh, the home, as we know, can be a very damaging or a very life-giving place. So if we're loving the people in our home well then they're going to be able to go out and love other people well. And that love keeps going. And we know, you know, Christ tells us that they will know us by the love that we have for one another. So as Mason said, it's the most important thing. It's what is making things go round. It, not to be cliche, but it's it. (laughs) Everything else will fade, but love will remain. Right. Yeah, I think it's interesting, too, when you think about that scriptural analogy of children being arrows in the hands of a warrior you think about those arrows are put in a bow and you pull the bow back and then you release the tension and i think the the difficult i don't think i know the difficult thing about that is is that that's that takes strength to pull back Mm -hmm. that bow and there's tension there and what it shows is that love really does take sacrifice and that's what you see in scripture over and over again that god commended his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Mm -hmm. Scripture almost always points love back to that element of sacrifice where you're not putting your interests 
in front of the other person, but the other's interest in, in front of yours. It not, always goes to the cross. Right. It goes to the cross. It goes to humility and chiefly Christ on the cross. That's how God shows us right. what love looks like. You can look all around and see lots and lots of examples of love, but chiefly where God shows us his love is Christ and not just Christ, but Christ on the cross. It's really just the story of the gospel. And going back to that bow analogy, um, you put the arrow in the bow and you pull back that bow and the, the sacrifice, the, the humility, the hardship is in the, the pulling it back. And as Bree said, eventually you get to release that bow. Mm-hmm. You get to shoot your children out and release them from the home. And when you do that, you are having that great privilege of launching them, shooting them out into the world, hopefully um, hitting the target that you've been aiming at all along, right. uh, which is to hopefully hit someone else, kind of um, to love them as well. Kind of the, Think of Cupid. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was just thinking. <laughs> Happy going Valentine's back, Day. Going back uh, to Cupid. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I didn't think of that until I was midway through that uh, bow analogy. But really, that's that's the whole point, is we want to show our children the the sacrificial element of love. We want to live it out around them all the time so that they see that love is real, but it's also real difficult. But when you do Mm -hmm. it, the fruits are really, really beautiful. And when they see that, they catch that. They catch it because love is so strong. It really does compel people to do that. And when people are loved, it really does make them do things. That's that's why we love God. God's love is so strong that when he pours his love out on us, it causes us to love him in return. Yeah, that's so good. And not to hang on that too long, but I was just thinking as you were saying that, that um, you know, a lot of people want to keep all their arrows in the quiver. <laughs> we want to kind of protect them, hoard them, and not actually shoot them out. Um, you were t- saying, you know, it takes strength, it takes sacrifice in order to shoot them out. But that is the most loving thing we can do is to prepare them for that launch, to prepare them for that mission. Um, and that takes a lot of training. That takes, like you said, just a lot of strength. And um, I think we need to rely on Christ in that, not to be weak and try to keep our kids in the quiver behind our back for the rest of our life but be prepared for the time that it's their turn to launch it's their turn and it's it's not it's not ever at the same time you don't put a bunch of arrows in at once right you launch them out you know one by one unless you have like triplets or something (laughs) (laughs) but no i think i think that principle is really good too because we can start to think that all the strength is in the ammo the number of mm-hmm. arrows that you have, but you don't win a war by having more ammo. You win a war by hitting the target and winning yeah. and launching. And I think what happens is people get so caught up in just having the kids and they coddle them and they, they, they think that they're loving them. Or they death. send them out just with no strength at all and no practice at all you know they just shoot them wherever right and if right. they miss they miss right but the, <laughs> the point i was trying to make is that they think that they can just let love kind of pull up by mm. keeping their kids home yeah. as long as they can holding them close not letting them go out but what they're actually doing is that they're depriving the world of actually having another source of uh love another right. loving force going out into the world so when you hold your children in and coddle them all to yourself and don't allow them to be free and express God's love in their own unique way, then you're actually not loving 
all people well enough because mm-hmm. God shows us his love through people, through acts of service and keeping his commandments, those kind of things. And if you're actually keeping it all to yourself, then you're stripping the world of that beauty that could be out there even more in a greater force. Right. I think we can fall into idolizing the, the family and the home. I know maybe you don't necessarily um, fall into this, but I know that at times I have to really guard my heart against it as a mom and as a wife. We just, we want to keep it all here for ourselves, you know, and we don't want to miss a moment and we want to hold on to all of the memories and we don't want our children to be hurt maybe in the ways that we were hurt or we see how bad, I mean, how many times do you see on Facebook? The world's just awful right now. You know, I don't want to, my poor kids, you know, this poor generation that's growing up right now and I don't want to have any more kids because look where the world is at. And um, I think those are just kind of selfish ways to think, to be honest. And I think that sometimes we need to check our hearts. Like, what are we idolizing in those moments? Are we idolizing um, this view of the family that isn't actually a godly, a biblical view? Because I know that I can fall into that at times. I can I can think in my head, I don't want my kids to go through the suffering that I did. I don't want them to go through this thing. I want to coddle them. I want to protect them. But uh, in a sense, that's not trusting God, and that's not preparing them for the world that they will be in. <laughs> and it's not actually moving forward. The, right. the way that we fight the collapsing world is with love. Yeah. And you do that through your life, and after you die, then what happens <laughs> then? I mean, you, you should be raising up children to continue on that legacy of mm-hmm. love. So it's it really makes no sense to say the world's falling apart, it's all going to crap, um, now I think I've just decided I'm not going to have any more kids because I don't want them to go through this. Right. Well, that's in many ways just a complete surrender. What you should be saying is, man, I'm going to have a bunch of kids. I'm going to raise them up right, and we're going to go and fight against this because love endures mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. It's going to collapse eventually. The The culture that is going, um, that is running with hate, that is um, leading with the things that are opposite of love, that is proven to not succeed so why not raise up children that are very loving and then just fight culture in that way and i I don't want to be down on culture all the time not all culture is bad but the reality is is there's a lot of things out there that people can get discouraged about that everyone can not just christians that you can fearful about right fearful and you can look at the world and say wow that's not good no matter who you are but the the way that we fight that i think is by being uh trusting of god and realizing that love really does win that you can trust in that. Yeah, because, again, like we said, everything else is going to pass away, but love is going to remain. And at the end of that, um, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, 13 says, Now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. But I like that hope is in there because what you're saying is showing hope. It's showing hope for a future. It's not being hopeless. (laughs) You know, it's showing that we have faith in Christ. We have hope that he is going to prevail and that love is going to win. Talking more about how or why we love in the home. You had mentioned earlier when we were talking that the home is ruled by love and not by law. And I think that is a really good thing for people to remember that we don't run a house by the law. We run a house through love. Maybe we could talk more about that. Yeah, I mean, that is that is also just the Christian principle, too. It's not just how we run our home. That's not just the Scroggins household. We we run our house by love, not law. That's mm-hmm. actually just 
the Christian principle, I mean, that Paul would say that our lives should be <clears throat> marked by keeping in step with the Spirit. And mind you, again, we're, we're talking about the fruits of, or the fruit of the Spirit. So when we say that a, a house is ruled by love and not law, it doesn't mean that we are all for lawlessness. I mean, there's plenty of scriptures that say that um, we will, our love will be known by our keeping of God's commandments. That's a reality. But the, the keeping the commandments flows out from love. Love always has to precede that. So it's important to keep love the center because, again, God is love. And when you have God at the center, when you have spirit-led, organized home, then you're going to have things working the way that they should. The, 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 the orderliness, the, the commandments, the rules, and everything else flows out from it. But if you have a house that is just trying to live up to the commandments, devoid of love, then you're going to kill the home. Yeah. That, that's, that's really what it comes down to. Paul says, the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Mm -hmm. And he's referring there to the, the letter of the law. So if you're just trying to keep the law, you're just trying to keep the rules. If you have house rules printed somewhere out in your home, and you're always pointing to that with your children saying you're not doing this always pointing to the 10 commandments but never getting to the heart <clears throat> right of the issue there right right so if you're always running your home according to the law rather than according to love what you will do is you will burn out the members of the household not it doesn't just have to be the children either i mean just husband and wife if you are relating to one another saying well you're not doing this you're not doing that keeping you're, tabs right <laughs> keeping tabs and trying to remember what they have or haven't done then you're going to not just annoy each other, but essentially kill your relationship, which yeah. is at the heart of the home. If you don't have the relationship, if you don't have the love, it will all crumble. You can't run a household um, in the long run just off living by law. You have to live by the spirit empowering you to keep the law. Yeah, if you're going to be competitive with anything, be outdoing one another in love. Yeah. <laughs> don't be tallying up, you know, as far as husband and wife and marriage goes there don't be trying to even everything out make everything okay i did this you do this uh you got the kids last night i'm gonna get the kids i mean some of that's okay you know but if you're just tallying it all up it's it's pointless and it's it's gonna lead to a really depressed marriage and as far as the kids go too i think a good example of this you know talking about you don't want to kill the home you don't want to kill the spirits in the home whether that be the husband the wife or the children and i think uh, mom and dads can really kill the spirit inside of a child by constantly like you said law 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 command 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 um you know you did this wrong you did this right and i think a good example of that is one day Nora was praying uh i don't know why but she probably did something got disciplined or whatever and a lot of times i'll have her go to a chair or go to another room and pray and she came back and she said i'm done i'm done praying because she knows that you know when she's done praying she can typically get up and go back to her normal business but she said I prayed that I wouldn't do anything bad ever again and that I would be really good and just never do anything bad today or ever ever again <laughs> and <laughs> so we use that as a moment and she has said this before but we use that as a moment to say Anora, you're gonna mess up you're gonna make a mistake again you're gonna do something bad again you're just going to that's part of being a human I don't want you to 
do these things right just because I want you to do them right. I want you to have a heart change. And so we use that as, a op- as an opportunity to say, you know, if you love your sister, if you love your brother, then you won't hit them. You know, you won't take their toys. You won't sit there and fuss with them for five minutes. It's not about just doing everything right. It's about loving them. It's about loving your mommy. And if you love your mommy, then you do what she says. Just like the Lord says, if we love the Lord, then we obey his commands. And so we use that as a time and a learning opportunity. And I think that, you know, just think about that in your life. Like, is it just, you did this wrong, now you get a time out. You did this wrong, I'm going to spank your butt. Um, are you teaching your kids love? Are you teaching them grace? Or is it just law? And um, I think we can always tend to lean, you know, heavier on one side. Maybe we lean towards letting our kids get away with stuff, or maybe we lean towards kind of being the parent that runs a tight ship. You lean one way harder than you probably need to lean the other way a little bit more. <laughs> right, because it goes back to grace, too. So it, it's sacrifice for the cause of grace mm-hmm. that God shows his love for us. Because if you look back at that scripture, God committing his love towards us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So while we didn't deserve it, we weren't keeping the commandments, we weren't following the rules, we weren't doing what was right, God still sent his son to die Mm -hmm. for us. He sacrificed for us. So the whole act is not only sacrificial, but it's an extension to us of grace. It's something that is unmerited favor that he just lays in our lap. And I think that's really what goes back to the heart of the home has to be love. It's not just doing things right. But it's that extremely amazing thing called grace to where when things aren't going great, there's still a loving presence of acceptance, welcoming, and grace and mercy extended to the people of the household. That's what sticks. Mm -hmm. When you have a household that does those kind of things, then that lasts for generations. No one ever talks about the household that always always followed the rules. Like that's literally (laughs) never in the story of a, of a house that has a great legacy. When you talk about my great-great-grandparents, they had uh, a perfect, perfectly ruled home. <laughs> they just don't ever say that. They, they followed all the commandments. They never sinned. That's just never, ever what they talk about. But no. what they do talk about that sticks for generation upon generation is they say, my great-grandmother was the most loving person I know. Mm-hmm. And they mean it. it. It is a genuine statement of they were moved by the love of a relative and that's the kind of thing that we want to build our households on is that kind of love principle that sticks with people for the rest of their lives because again if it's real love it's going to do that it's going Mm -hmm. to continue on because love endures yeah and even just thinking about the stories in the bible it's not you don't hear you know the pharisees were the ones that were saying do this do this do that do this but it's all the other stories of other people like paul being a murderer and then coming to know the Lord, coming to know love. You know, the, the Pharisees were the clanging gongs. They were the people that didn't have love. And yeah, they knew the law. Yeah, they knew the right things to say. Yeah, they knew their Bible. Um, but when it came down to it, they were just annoying gongs. Um, but here you have Paul, who, like I said, was a murderer. You know, he hated Christians. But he was changed and the spirit came and um, he was ruled by love. And you think about all of the stories, you know, David, all of these people, Rahab, like 
all of them, they were they were sinners, but they were changed by love. They were loved. Yeah, the, the people that live on in Scripture are the broken people that God mm-hmm. poured out his mercy and his grace upon. It wasn't the people that had everything perfectly and always followed the commandments and never did anything right or never did anything wrong. Yeah. It was those who otherwise would have probably never even made it into the story. But because God extended his love, they were included in the story. And that's just a beautiful way of God saying, I love you for yeah. your for your name to continue on for no other reason than that God loved you. I mean, I think about like Rahab, like you said, like, why does she make it to the story? It's mm-hmm. because God loved her. Mm-hmm. God allowed her to be a, a small little step in the history of redemption. And her name lives on forever because God loved her.